Good evening and welcome to the official name change marriage, I'm sorry, relationship game changers call. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Well, as many of you have known over the past several weeks, we've been telling you about the name change from the marriage reform prayer call to the relationship game changers, the call. And tonight it's official. We will now be known as the relationship game changers the call, and the purpose of this call is to continue to teach, pray, and declare kingdom principles that transcend gender, married or single, race, economics, education, denominations, political party, and any other identifying characteristic. The principles of the kingdom transcends, cuts through all of those uh, things uh, that we may put up as differences or, or whatever have you. And as kingdom citizens, Each one of us that believes in Jesus Christ has the authority. We have rights, responsibilities, and privileges that that God expects us to use to conform to his image, to the image of Christ, and to establish his kingdom in our spheres of influence. And we believe that as Christ followers, that it's our responsibility to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness to be properly aligned with him and his word and to love him first so that we can love others best. And so we welcome you to the official night of the name change to Relationship Game Changers, the call. And we believe that God is calling Relationship Game Changers in this hour, hidden in different places, but calling them forth so that we can change the way relationships occur for the benefit of the kingdom and the people in them. The format will remain the same. We'll do some announcements. We'll do prayer. We'll teach. And then we will pray the word taught. And tonight while we do some of the announcements, I want you to go ahead and text someone that needs healing and invite them to listen in because uh, what we share tonight is, uh, uh, you know, I'm just excited to share uh, this tonight because it, for me, resolves I think what has been a stumbling block for many when it comes to dealing with their past and their present. And I just love when Jesus just flips the answer and reconciles all things together. So I'm especially excited to share that with you tonight. But before that, just a couple of announcements. Jumping for joy. We are still very much committed to marriage And uh, as many of you know, the end of last year, God gave us a mandate to go to 50 states in the U.S. territories and declare kingdom marriage. And so this Saturday, July 11th, at 12 p.m. Eastern, 10 p.m., 12 p.m. Eastern, we will be in Denver, Colorado. And we need three to, we've got people on the ground. There'll be some of us on Zoom. And we need three to five volunteers to join with us on the Zoom call as we connect with those on the ground. And so, as you know, we are seeding every state, and we're seeding it with the word of God, kingdom marriage, kingdom truths, kingdom principles. But as we seed the ground, we are trusting God to create opportunities to to declare this word to husbands and wives. We've been to Tennessee, Alabama, Delaware, South Carolina, um, and later this month, we will be in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. But this Saturday, we'll be in Denver, Colorado. And Pam Ashby, who's a regular on the call, is 
going to be on the ground and coordinating that effort, and then several of us will be on with her by Zoom. And so if you are able to take part this Saturday, we need your faith, we need your prayers, and we need your love as we believe God is reforming and restoring marriage to the church the way he intended it to be. We'll be on the call and on the ground no more than 45 minutes to an hour, and we will be praying. Um, And so if you're interested and can help with that, then please text Amy at 678-754-0867. And we'll be giving her number again. But for right now, it's 678-754-0867. And then many of you know we have been doing three sessions to a breakthrough. And I am, I, I don't know if you, I feel the momentum of God as I watch and take part and God changing people's lives through kingdom principles. And, and what we do in three sessions to a breakthrough is we quickly identify the root cause of some of the relationship problems and challenges that you're having and provide real and practical solutions and then strategize with you so that you can take action. And so it's amazing to me. We have a cross section of people that have taken, uh, taken us up on this and, Uh, We've had people in their 50s and 60s. I've had teenagers. And tonight I want to introduce you to Devin, who's in her late 20s. But Devin just finished up three sessions, and so she's hot off the press. And I just wanted you to hear from her own words what happened from her in her three-day experience. So, Devin, are you on the line? If you'll start six, then we'll be able to hear you. Hi, it's Devin. Hey, Devin, how are you? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you all? Awesome. Can you speak just a little bit louder? Oh, one moment. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I think we can. I can hear you. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So, yes, um, like Ms. Kemp said, I just finished my uh, three sessions to Breakthrough, and it was amazing. It's so worth the investment. Uh, as you all know, Kim is led by the Holy Spirit. She's discerning. She's honest, and she doesn't beat around the bush. So she's very direct but gentle. Um, she definitely helped me to um, recognize the root cause of of a pain in my life, which um, is people pleasing. And throughout um, our three sessions, honestly, I thought I would need more than three. But um, at the beginning of our sessions, Kim definitely uh, said, you know, Christ. Uh, went down and rose in three days, so she was believing for three sessions and that I would receive the breakthrough that I needed, and I truly did. Um, I can't begin to explain the freedom that I feel um, right now uh, regarding my breakthrough. It's just amazing. Um, We definitely identified the root causes of my um, pain, which was um, molestation, and that's where I began to adapt the coping mechanism of people pleasing, but then it translated to other areas of my life as I grew older. Um, And uh, we even went into some things about uh, altars and how people pleasing became an altar in my life and um, how God needed to break that. And so she even told me to begin praying about how God wanted me to break that, and he began moving immediately. And, um, yes, we're done with our three sessions, and now I keep a journal of, like, my triggers and 
what happened and what I would do and what I used to do and what I do now. So it's just amazing. I would honestly say if there's any area in your life that you're struggling with or um, an area that you can't seem to move past, I would definitely recommend the um, breakthrough uh, sessions for you. It's truly a blessing. And thank you, Kim. Wow. Well, thank you for saying. I didn't pay her to say that, y'all. I really, it's either her <laughs> word. They really are. And the energy that you feel uh, in her and the excitement, it's real. I mean, the freedom of God is real. You know, Jesus set us free on the cross. And as we journey in this life, it's about manifesting that freedom in every area of our life. And, you know, Devin, I think your openness and your honesty and the hope that you brought to each session, I mean, you trusted me to go some places, uh, not to hurt you, but to liberate you. And I think that also has contributed to the, to the success and the degree of success that you experienced. So thanks so much for trusting me, and thanks so much for sharing. I really appreciate you coming on and doing that. Thanks so much. You're welcome, and thank you. Amen. Well, listen, I really want each of you to take part in this, in her words, liberating, freeing experience. And so through July 31st, I'm going to keep the cost at 297 for those of you on this line. Beginning August 1st, the price goes up to 397 And so I want you to take advantage of the, the, the 297 I But more importantly, I want you to be free. I want you to be free. I want you to be free. Because when you're free, you can fulfill your destiny. And we were created to fulfill the purpose for which God intended, written in the book of life for each one of us before the foundation of the world. So again, until July 31st, it's 297. Beginning August 1st, it will be 397. Please don't text me, call me after that. Listen, if you want to get into that price, then please text Amy at 678-754-0867, and she can help you with next steps. Again, thanks so much, Devin. And I just I tell you, I get excited. I wake up because I know that if God raised Jesus up in three days and changed the entire world and reconciled the entire world through what Jesus did to himself and set us completely free, in three days God can make something happen in our life. And I believe that. I believe that. And so I am excited to offer that to you and pray as many of you as can that will take advantage. And if you you say, look, I don't have time right now, that's cool. Just go ahead and get in on the the 297, and we will set you up for uh, your three sessions in August. We like those three sessions to be completed within 30 days, preferably within three weeks. But if you can't do it right now, just pay the price, and then we will set you up to make that happen. One other announcement I have before I get started you know, next week I've got an amazing, another, I'm telling you, it just keeps coming. I mean, the glory of God just keeps coming in waves. And so next week 
I've got another opportunity for you. Um, And so I want you to stay tuned for that. I hope you can feel the momentum of God on this line, the favor of God on this line. He is truly up to something grand. And I just want all of us to be a part of it. You know, it's like when something happens good to you or something good is happening, you go just tell everybody you know. I remember when I first received Jesus Christ, when I was telling everybody about him, I just couldn't stop talking about him. And so when something good is happening, it's just natural to want to talk about it. And so that's what you hear. Stay tuned. And also, and if you haven't, go ahead and like the Facebook page, Relationship Game Changers, and you'll be also able to stay up to date. Well, I hope some of you have tagged some folks. Let's pray. We're going to do some teaching, and then we're going to declare the word that we teach. So, Daddy, we just thank you for calling us your beloved children. For you said, behold what manner of love you have for us, that you would call us your children, God. It's a term of endearment. And, Lord, that your desire is that we would know you, that we would know your heart, and that we would know your ways, that we might execute your will, your kingdom, your initiatives in the earth as they are in heaven. That's our desire, God, is to reflect you in these mortal beings, Lord. We desire our relationship, Father, to look like Jesus' relationship looks with you. Lord, we want to, Lord Jesus, to live his life fully out in us by the Holy Spirit. And you said the Holy Spirit testifies of the life of Jesus Christ. So we open ourselves now, God, and we look to you, and we say, Holy Spirit, testify of Jesus' life. We give you our eyes, we give you our ears, and we open our hearts to you tonight. Now cause us to see cause us to hear and understand the truths you want to share with us tonight. In Jesus' name, you give the seeing eye and you give the hearing ears. And so we present our eyes to you tonight, God. We present our ears to you, God, and we present our hearts to you that you, God, will cause us to see, to hear, and to understand in Jesus' name. Well, tonight, I want to talk to you about past hurts, present problems. Deuteronomy 6.4 says, the Lord God is one. He is whole. His nature is whole. His dream is a whole mankind, whole, a whole people, corporately, but also individually, body, soul, and spirit. And we're whole when we are connected and properly relating to God ourselves and others. We are whole when we are connected. All the parts of us are connected in the same room, connected to the Father, and then we're properly relating to God, ourselves and each other. And we can't properly relate unless we're connected. So we must be connected in order to relate properly. And so I just love God because his desire is to make us whole as he is whole. You know, most people don't enjoy the idea of talking about their past, particularly when it's painful. I mean, really, like, seriously, who wants to bring up or even be reminded of those things that affect us deeply? I mean, those things which we, you know, we have developed, you know, these sophisticated defense skills and coping mechanisms. I mean, it's like we're good. We're all grown up now. It doesn't matter. That was then. I don't even think about it. This is now. 
Let me just first say a couple things about that word now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Hebrews 11.6 says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So now faith, and then without now faith, so the only faith you and I have, the only active working faith that you and I have is right now on this call, in this room, here and now. You don't have faith for your past. It's over. It's not now. And you don't have faith for your future because it hasn't come. It's not now. So whatever God wants to do in you, do, do with you, you, whatever God wants to do with you must, not maybe, not might, but must occur in the time and space called here and now. It doesn't matter that you're all grown up. Whatever God wants to deal with you, he has to, he is obligated, he is required by his own word to deal with you here and now. And he gives you a faith that only works right now. So right now, you have all the faith you need to receive the truth and the word of God that is spoken here today as he confirms it to you. And as I say all the time, whoever's teaching, I don't care what title they have, I don't care what platform they have, who's ever teaching, you ask God to confirm their words to you through his scripture because we are responsible to the Lord and he knows how to confirm his word in the mouth of two or three witnesses. And I've said all that, but even with all that, even though we know all the faith we have is now, Still, nobody wants to talk about past actions that have either caused them hurt and pain. I'm talking about whether somebody's done it to you or whether it's been self-inflicted. It's kind of embarrassing. I mean, it's kind of like humiliating to be talking about that stuff. I don't know about you, but, you know, in the past, some, you know, things, not now, but before, there were things that were just honestly real embarrassing to talk about. But, you know, with the freedom of God today, my life is an open book. God can talk about anything he wants. He can ask me to talk about any part of my life that he wants to talk about, good, bad, or ugly, because I, I am not my past, and I am free from the sting or the pain of it. So I don't forget it. It just doesn't cause me angst. It doesn't cause me to bow up. It doesn't cause a sting. There's no pain. And so what God does is takes the pain out of it so that you're free, so that he's free to use it to, to, to drive a stake even in the enemy that intended your past to destroy you. And so, again, we're all grown up now, and we say it doesn't matter. Some of us went to college. We might have even earned a degree. You got married. You had children. You earn a decent income. You go to church. You go on vacations, and you go about your life, and you've had some success. And we have all kinds of clever techniques to prevent others from probing into our lives deeply. You know, you know when somebody's getting close to your heart. You kind of, you could feel yourself. You could feel either the, the twins. You could feel yourself recoiling or retreating a little bit. You know, you, you, you know what I'm talking about because all of us have had the experience where somebody's getting a little too close than comfortable for you, right? 
You know, Lena, a client of mine, you heard from her a few weeks ago, she said she raised hiding her past pain to an art form. And how many of us have done the exact same thing? We hide. And so we say things like we're just not going there right now. And we hide things that have happened to us. We hide things we've done. And because it's over or because they stopped or we stopped, we think it's no longer a problem. But past action and the unresolved pain that accompanies them inevitably will show up in your present in the form of problems, problems in relating to God, problems in seeing yourself as God sees you, and problems in relating to other people. Why? Because as I said at the beginning, God is whole. He is committed to your wholeness. He is committed into reconnecting all of your parts with himself. And when he sees an aspect of you that's not connected, he is going to allow things to happen to bring that part of you in the room. It's called a relationship. You ever notice whatever God wants to heal, it will rise to the surface in the relationships that matter to you most. Why? Because if it doesn't rise to the surface and if it's not brought to the light, it cannot be healed. And so God has such a vested interest. You know, remember Simon Peter? We've been talking about Simon Peter, and I'm going to give you two other examples today. But remember Simon Peter? We don't know how long he hid his pain after denying Jesus three times. The Bible doesn't say. The Bible also doesn't mention Simon ever bringing it up, the incident with Jesus after it happened. All we know is that after he denied him the third time, Jesus gazed him in the eye and Simon couldn't take his gaze, but left his presence immediately. And the Bible says, went outside and wept bitterly. So we don't know how many encounters, the Bible doesn't say how many encounters that Simon and Jesus had, how many opportunities Simon had after this walking out weeping bitterly, how many times that him and Jesus were in the same place and that that did not get resolved. Here's what we do know. It took some time because it wasn't until John 21 that Jesus brought Peter full circle in a very present moment to deal with his past denial. So you'll recall three times he denied and three times Jesus established uh, uh, Simon Peter's love for him. And so it was that moment that his past was brought present and it got healed in the present moment. You'll recall in the third time Jesus asked him, Simon, do you love me? And the Bible says that Simon was hurt. He got annoyed. But why would he get annoyed if there was nothing to it but a question? He got annoyed because that third time he asked, Jesus was back at that third denial. And now here is the response to that denial. And so if you look at those scriptures in John 21, and we did, the first few times, Peter was like still kind of just like proud. Lord, you know, I, you know I love you. You know I love you. And then the third time he said, Lord, you know all things, meaning now Peter recognized that not only was Jesus talking about this present moment, he was talking about all things inclusive of what Peter had done before. And Peter was healed of what he had done in the past in a present moment. God is not looking to take you back to your past. He just wants you to show up 
and see what's happening in the present moment so that he can heal you and deliver you once and for all. But I want to give you two other examples because we've been focusing on Peter and we'll come back to Peter because I think he is, I'm just, I've just grown more and more in love with Peter um, as, the, as the disciple and the apostle that God fully displayed his, Peter's humanness and the deity of God interacting and acting upon Peter's humanness. It is the best example of someone being 100% human and 100% spirit connecting with, with, with God and moving to fulfill his destiny. If you look at Peter after the book of Acts, he is a different person, but because he was healed. And so let me give you these other two examples. First, there's Aiken's story, and this is the longer of the two. So let me do this one first. You'll recall in Joshua 6, they had just had this, this crazy, spectacular defeat of Jericho. I mean, they marched around the walls, and, and the walls fell down. And, I mean, it just happened just like God said it would happen. And you know when uh, they were going to go up against Jericho, God had given them a command that they were not, that Jericho was cursed and condemned. And therefore, they, God did not permit them to take any of the plunder out of Jericho. Not the gold, not the silver, not the things, not nothing. It was condemned. And so, and, and that's what it says. It says in Joshua six seventeen, God cursed and condemned the city, um, except for Rahab. They were to take nothing. The silver and the gold were to go to the treasury of the Lord, but nothing was to be spared or used for personal consumption. That's the backstory. Now we get to Joshua seven one. The Bible says, Achan took from Jericho God, uh, things God had cursed and condemned for destruction. Nothing happened immediately. In fact, you know, it's even really hard to say how much time passed by before uh, between Jericho and I. And so when God curses and condemns something and we take part in it, whether we are the perpetrator or whether we're the victim, the curse and the condemnation that's tied to that thing is upon us. That's why the Bible says Jesus delivered us from the curse of the law. So of the things God condemns, you know, we think about what are the things that God condemns? Let's just bring it home to us. What are the things he condemns? He condemns sexual sin in all of its forms, molestation, incest, incest, he condemns lying. He condemns pride. He condemns shedding of innocent blood. You can find other things in Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. And then in uh, Joshua 7, 2 through 3, it says this. It says fresh, you know, again, fresh off this wind, they decided not to send all of the truth. Just like Moses, Joshua sent out spies to check out a, a I. And um, the spies came back and said, hey, look, they're small. We don't need to take everybody. Let's just spare some people. We only need to take about 3,000 men. You know, they, we got this. We can do this. Remember, they were riding high off this major victory. Then they see that I is small and we can take them. We don't even need to take everybody. We got this. We can handle this. And sometimes it's hard to see the connection between past actions and present problems because in between 
we might have some spectacular wins and successes, just like the Israelites had a spectacular win at Jericho. Nobody but God knew that Achan had done what he did. So the in-between, what happened and what is, can be pretty spectacular and amazing, so much so that it makes it difficult to connect the dots. But in verse 4 and 5, the Bible says that Israel took 3,000 men, but they ran from Ai, and 36 men were killed. Wait, this was supposed to be an easy win, but they lost. They ran in humiliation. They were defeated. This was supposed to be a piece of cake, and they were destroyed. And so when this happens, like Israel, in some ways it's because, in part, we overestimate what we bring to a situation and underestimate our real need or our real problem. And we fail. We we, we get defeated. We lose a promotion. uh, We lose a job. We might lose a relationship. We we might even go as far as just to, you know, we we just – we. Perhaps, you know, file for bankruptcy, you know, just all kinds of things might, may happen. We may go through a divorce, but we fail or we're defeated in some way. And then in verse 69, the Bible says that when they were defeated, Joshua and the elders prayed. They fell on their faith. And that's just what you and I do. When we get defeated, we fail or something doesn't happen the way it should happen, and we just think it's the enemy. Most of us just go right into prayers. Some of us speak in tongues, we pray, repent, we fast, and we promise to do better. I mean, whatever it takes, God, just fix this thing. God, if you do this, I'll never. You know, you know how it goes. We've all done it. And then in verse 10 and 11, it says, God speaking to Joshua, why have you fallen on your face? I can take that two ways, why did, which literally they fell on their face. But the other way I can take that is why did you fall on your face? Why do you think you failed? And then... It says, Israel, and then God says, Israel has sinned, and they have broken my covenant that I commanded them. They took the things dedicated for destruction. They have stolen and acted deceitfully and put them in their own possession. Listen, when our past stuff is not resolved, it always catches up to you. It always catches up to you in the most inopportune times. God will bring it, he'll trigger it, or he'll allow your past to show up in your presence in present in the form of problems, in the form of offenses, in the form of losses, in the form of de- defeat. He's not doing this to destroy us, as in the case of, of, of what happened to Achan, but he's doing it because he wants us whole. He wants us full of his Holy Spirit, and he wants us to be able to fulfill the destiny for which he's created for us, and he understands that we are walking around limping and lame when we don't allow him and when we don't participate in our own healing. And so he brings it present because, remember, the only place and time and space that you have faith is now. So when God triggers something from your past to your present and it shows up in the form of a problem, it's because he wants to deal with it. How many invitations have you and I declined? Just think about that for a moment. How many times has a problem arose, a recurring problem in your life, and you have declined the invitation, God's invitation, to examine it, 
discuss it, maybe seek help, seek counseling, because either you just weren't ready to deal with that or, you know, you're just going to let that go. If this is me now, that was then. Verse 12, here's what happens when you don't deal with it, when we don't deal with it. In verse 12, the Bible says, therefore, the children of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. You ever wonder why you get defeated, why you struggle, why you just can you get started and you fall back down? Because when you have stuff in your past that God deliberately allowed to come to your present and you decline the invitations, you refuse to deal with it, the Bible says you will not be able to stand against your enemy. It says in verse 12 that the Israelites turned their backs on their enemies because they were dedicated to destruction. You cannot face your enemy and look him squarely in the face when you've not dealt with your past. Devin just told you. She said that she dealt with people-pleasing, and what she didn't tell you is a testimony that she had when she was able to face a powerful person and address a problem she didn't turn away and what she told me was ordinarily I would have just let it go and she might even have called it Christian oh my gosh how many things do you I call Christian I'm just gonna be Christian here no you just don't want to deal with the enemy and so what Devin had success because once she was free she was able to stand up and confront something that was wrong that she that was a that was wrong or that she experienced as wrong in her spirit and in her soul. Jesus, uh, God says to the Israelites, "I'm not going to be with you anymore unless you destroy these things that are dedicated uh, for destruction in your midst." And so it's very difficult for God to work with you and for you to work with God and for Him to to favor you and move you forward. If you don't destroy the things that have been cursed and condemned that you brought from your past to your present. Paul says this way, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I did as a child. But now that I'm a man, I put away from me childish things. You and I have developed some skills, some thinking uh, that, that have helped us survive when we were kids. That, that now is working against you fulfilling your destiny. And like Paul, we must put away these childish coping skills. Many of you are in relationships that you're married, and you're dealing with your spouse the way you deal with your mom and dad. You, when you get mad, you do the same thing you did when you were younger because you haven't dealt with that pain from the past. And when we don't face problems, a couple things happen. We won't have the confidence to face our enemies, and your enemies are always standing in the way of your destiny. Let me say that again. If you don't face what your past that God brings to your present, if you don't address your problems, you won't have the confidence to overcome your enemies, and your enemies are always standing between you and your destiny. Your enemies are always standing between you and your destiny, and some of you have not advanced because you have not faced the enemy, because you think the enemy is on the outside of you. And the enemy is playing you because he is hiding in the pain that you won't bring to the altar. And the other thing that happens is the stakes get higher. When you don't deal with something, you notice this to be true. If you don't deal 
with a financial problem. Some of you know and have experienced this. I certainly have. If you don't address a financial problem, it grows. It doesn't go away. The stakes just get higher. The costs just get greater. So I pray tonight for the grace of God, for those that have experienced very high costs, because when your past has shown up in your present and you've declined the invitation to deal with it, the cost, the stakes just got higher. I'm praying tonight that God would release a grace to you, that he would enable you to be able to either endure or he will prevent a, present a way of escape to you. Because ultimately it deprives us from the full benefits and the authority that we have as kingdom citizens. So in verse 13, what does it say? It, uh, God told Joshua, get up, consecrate your, the people and say, consecrate yourself, set yourself apart. And then he talked about the things dedicated to destruction are in your midst. They're not in the past. They're in your midst. They're in your present problems. They're in the recurring things. They're in the same argument, different days. He said, these things are in your present. They are in your midst. It is not your past. If you are behaving today and responding the way you did in your past, your past isn't your past. It is your present. And so when God allows our past to show up in our present, it is an invitation it is an, a, an invitation. It is an opportunity for him to heal you, but he cannot unless you come to the moment and meet the moment with truth and honesty. And then he tells the Israelites, you've got to remove these things. If you want me to be with you, if you want to go forward and fulfill your destiny and take Canaan, you're going to have to remove some things from your midst. And God is saying to you and I today, if we want to fulfill our destiny, then we're going to have to remove some things from our midst. We're going to have to tear down some altars because they are standing in the way of God fulfilling his purpose in our lives. And then verse 24, it says, then Joshua and all of Israel, they went through, uh, I'm skipping verses here, but in between 13 and 24, it was, it's when God calls them out by tribes and then by clans and then by families and then by individuals in the family. And it got down to Achan. And in verse 24, Achan, or before verse 24, Achan confesses to taking things that were cursed and, con and condemned. And in verse 24, the Bible says, Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, his tent, and all that he had, and brought them to the valley of Acre. And then Joshua said, why have you done these things? The Lord will trouble you, will trouble you today. So all Israel stoned him. They burned him with fire and stoned them with stones. And then they erected over him a large pile of stones, which is still there today. Thank God we have the grace of God. Thank God that we have the grace of God, that it doesn't have to end in death. And I do dare say for some, it probably already has ended into death because we have refused the invitation of the Lord. He said, behold, I stand at the door of your heart, stand at the door and knock. If any man will open the door, I will come in and fellowship with him. And typically we associate that with salvation. But there is a heart of heart that you and I have an automated defense system that we have learned to cleverly hide. And as my client says, 
skillfully and artfully protective that God is asking for interest today. And then in Joshua 8.1, after the altar was destroyed, after Achan and his clan and the cursed things were removed, this is what God said. Then the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid or dismayed. Take all the fighting men with you. Arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land into your hands. Do to Ai and its king what you did to Jericho and its king. And watch this. Except you may plunder its spoils and livestock. In other words, this time you can take the spoils of war. Now set an ambush, for the city is behind it. Oh, my gosh. What will happen when you destroy the altar? What will happen when you accept the invitation? What will happen? How fast will you move forward to your destiny? Listen, people of God, we can't keep playing with this thing. I know that some of us have been taught that our past is our past, and behold, all things are new. People of God, if that were true, why are you still struggling? If that were true, why aren't you advancing to your destiny? If that were true, why does your past keep showing up in your present problems? If that were true, why are you having the same argument on a different day? If that were true, why are the same coping skills and reactions that you used back then you're still using today? They work then, but they don't work today. I need to have that question. If all of that is true and you don't have to deal with your past because it's the past, then we should also say you don't have to deal with your future because it hasn't come yet. And if that's the case, all you have is now. So God is going to relate to you in now because that's the faith he has given you for right now. So if he wants to deal with your past or if he wants to deal with your future, he is required. He is obligated. He must. He has to always bring it to now, front and center. Let me give you one other example. It's not as long, but it's in the New Testament because some of you are saying, well, that's an Old Testament example. Well, I've given you an example of Peter, but let me give you this example in John 4. Many of you know that example. It's the story of the woman at Samaria. Jesus goes to the well. And in John 4, we observe the conversation that Jesus has with the woman of Samaria at the well. And so Jesus overcomes three objections or three challenges that that, that are presented to him. So the first challenge he overcomes is she says when he, Jesus asked her to give him a drink. And she says, we're not even of the same culture. I'm a, I'm, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. We don't even deal with you. Why are you even talking to me? You ever heard anybody say that? Why are you even talking to me? That's what she said. Why are you even talking to me? But I love Jesus always calls us up. So even in the moment that God is dealing with the painful parts of his life, it is always preceded by calling you to your destiny. And in verse 10, he says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is saying to you, give me drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So she didn't even know who Jesus was. She did not even perceive him as someone that could help her. Moreover, she didn't even perceive she had a problem or that she needed help. But there was something about Jesus that she was able to identify 
that he was a Jew. It could have been his accent, could have been his appearance, it could have been some clothing he had on, I don't know. But she was able to discern that he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. You know, maybe she wasn't, you know, looking for help. Maybe you weren't even looking for help. Maybe she didn't even perceive that she was broke. Maybe you don't even perceive that you're broke because most things in your life run pretty well except the things that really matter to you or matter to you or the relationships that are closest to you. I wonder when God sends people across our path whether we perceive him or we just perceive the person. The Bible says that we ought to know no man solely according to his flesh but according to the spirit. So I wonder if we perceive when people come into our lives. Do we only know them by what we can see and observe? Do we perceive that we may have a need? Do we even think that we have a need when somebody comes in our life? Or that God has sent that person as an answer? Do we even perceive the areas of our own life that we're broke? Listen, our relationships, your, 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 your significant relationships, I'm talking about your marriage, I'm talking about your kids, I'm talking about with your, your, your church relationships, I'm talking about your friendships, you know, your family, those relationships offer you critical information and feedback about what God wants to do in you as much as he wants to do through you. Sometimes when we go to new churches and different places, particularly I see this in church and I've done it myself, you go to a church and it's kind of like you overestimate what you bring and underestimate what God wants to do in you or through you or what he wants to heal in you through that church. And then you get upset because they don't use you or whatever have you, and you fail to miss the healing that God wanted to accomplish by those relationships. Interesting. So do you perceive the people you know? Let me throw this to you really quickly. Whenever God wants to do something new in your life, he adds somebody new. Whenever God is going to advance you to destiny, he adds someone critical to your destiny. When God wanted to take David to the throne, he added Jonathan. When, uh, when God wanted to get Naomi or Ruth, should I say, to Boaz to be in the lineage of Jesus, he added Naomi. We always think that, you know, and I'm just sitting here and I'm seeing this right now as I'm talking, never thought about this before. But we always tend to think that Ruth was added to Naomi. But could it be that Naomi was added to Ruth to get Ruth to her destiny? Just something to think about. There's something to think about. So do you perceive whenever God wants to do something new, he adds someone new because you cannot take yourself to your destiny. We talked about that in John 21. So I'm not going to belabor that here. The second objection that the woman had was this. You have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? So Jesus had got her attention saying, look, if you knew who it was asking you, I will give you living water, you wouldn't thirst again. Well, he piqued her interest. He got her attention because now she's talking about this living water, and then she recognized she's still in her natural mind. You don't have anything to work with. So how am I going to help you because you don't have anything to, 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 to put to this pie, so to speak? And then she says, are you greater than Jacob who gave us the well? 
and drank from it himself, along with his sons and livestock. And in verse 13 and 14 of four, John 4, Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I shall give him will become in him a well of water springing to eternal life. Let me ask you, when you need help, do you disqualify those God may have sent because you don't perceive they have the education, the experience, or resources to help you? See, she didn't think he had a ladle or anything, a bucket, anything for her to use to help him. Do you think that you size people up based on some criteria that you have? Listen, if God can use a donkey, if God can use a dirty Jordan water to heal a man, who is it to, who are we to tell God who is fit to participate in our healing? Who has God added to your life recently? I'm going to tell you this, that we have talked about, and many of the prophets are talking about a divine reset, and I believe it's happened. I believe also that God is accelerating, and I, I think the three days, honestly, to a breakthrough is providential, and the reason why I think it's providential is because you have a destiny that you must be, that must be filled, fulfilled, and some of you have been delayed long enough, not because of anything outside of you. Some of you think, well, I just don't have the money. Well, I just don't have the opportunity. I just don't have the relationship. Some of you, that might be partially true. But some of you, I dare say more than some of you, are being held up because you have some altars, you have some things in your past that are in your present and you present, and you continue to decline the invitation to resolve it, destroy the altar, so that you can be free to fulfill your destiny. How do you know when you don't destroy that altar? The altar is a place of exchange. So how do you know when you, don't, when you destroy that altar? and you set up a new altar, now the place of exchange, the resources, the opportunities, the friends, the people you need to fulfill your destiny won't come. Who has God added to your life recently? What are they there for? Sometimes it might be for you to help them, but other times it's for them to help you. Do you always have to be the giver? When the conversation gets on you or gets too personal, do you change the conversation? Could you be missing your visitation the whole time you're praying on all these prayer lines, praying in the spirit, speaking in tongues? Could you be missing your visitation, doing Christian things? OMG, wow. You could actually be doing Christian things and missing the visitation of the Lord that is critical to you to fulfill your destiny. I'm just going to leave that right there. The third thing, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I won't thirst again, nor come here to draw. And in verse 16, Jesus said to her, here it is. Here's the past in her present moment. Go call your husband and come here. Verse 17, I have no husband. So she's been basically cohabitating or sleeping around. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband. I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband. So you have spoken truthfully. So that's what God is asking. When you come to the moment, when your past is in your present problem, 
He's not asking you to justify. He just is asking you to be honest. And I believe that's why Devin got free. She wasn't hiding. She said, that's right. When the word of truth went forth, she said, yep, that's true. That's true. I remember uh, Tracy the last week. She said, listen, when the truth came forth, I could not no longer deny that I bowed down to this altar of rejection. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Or being alone, I think it was, or it was the altar. So couldn't, she couldn't deny it. See, when the truth hits us, it, when your eyes get open, you can't close them. And you have to work to close them again. But once the light goes on and you see, it is almost like instant freedom. The best example I can give you, if you've ever had, this is kind of gross, but it's, it, you'll get the point. If you've ever had a, a boil or a pimple that just hurts, but as soon as it is popped, it's like instant relief. That's what it's like when the light goes on, when you embrace truth. It's like a, maybe a moment of pain, but I'm telling you, the joy of the Lord fills that space so quickly, and it's just amazing what happens. And then Jesus goes on and talks about what the ultimate thing here is. And basically what he was saying to us, I want your worship. My father wants your worship. He said the time is coming and now is. It is now here. Here the words, it is now here. See, when God brings your past and causes it to show up in your present moment, it's about your worship. It's about your altar. And he said the time is coming and now is. Is now here when true worshipers, will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. So God allows your past to come into your presence because he wants to heal you. But most of all, he wants your worship. He wants your pure and undefiled worship. He wants you to be able to stand against your enemies. And he knows you cannot stand against your enemies as long as you are hiding. So past hurt, present problems, here's the deal. Here are the takeaways. One, God is committed to healing you completely through and through. David said, God, you desire that I know truth on my inner man. There are places in you that have uh, rejected, resisted the truth. Those are the places, the place you don't want anybody to know about, that's the place that God wants to heal. He heals from the inside out, not from the outside in. Then two, time doesn't heal anything. I've showed you with Achan. They defeated Jericho. There was time that went by, and yet they were defeated. The time didn't fix Achan's problem. Time didn't fix the woman's problem. Time didn't fix Peter's problem. It doesn't heal. Time doesn't heal. Love and truth heal. And oftentimes your present problems are your past hurts. Said another way, your past problems, your past pain, your unresolved hurts, they masquerade as present problems. And if Satan can just get you, oh, this is happening now, this didn't happen before, if Satan can get you to believe that lie, then your past never gets to the opportunity to get healed. Because if you are not able to connect the dots 
you will always remain disconnected. And a disconnected person is not a healed person. And a healed, unhealed person cannot properly align with God himself or others. Some of you, and there's another takeaway here, is that there's scar tissue on some of us. You know, scar tissue forms after there's been a cut. And sometimes scar tissue is good. But then there are times where that scar tissue grows out of control and you might get a keloid or an excess of skin and and overproduction of protein and it it forms a scar. And sometimes they have to go in and cut the scar tissue out. And, you know, if you have a, 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 you know, they just have to cut it off because there's just too much tissue that is formed. And and some of us, we, we have scar tissue. It's called pride and distrust and it prevents us from receiving the healing that we need because whenever it comes up, we deflect, we change the conversation, or we start, you know, we want to start put the focus back on the other person. We want to get to the place back called comfortable, giving and in charge. And then six, God is knocking at the door of your heart saying if you will open it, he will come in and fellowship with you. Your present problems, your work, whether they're in work, ministry, or your relationships, is what God will use to access the root. So when you look at your current problems, there's a root. Here's a good example. If you ever had a root canal, there's the tooth, but the problem isn't the tooth. The problem is the root in the tooth. And some of you are feeling pain. It's not the tooth. It's not the present problem. It's not the thing at hand. It's the root in the thing at hand that keeps that thing alive and causing you pain. You need a root canal. And then number eight, God wants you to fulfill your destiny. And if you don't allow him to resolve it, if you don't allow him to resolve it, um, then you're going to have difficulty standing up, speaking up, and standing against the opposition that is designed to prevent you from fulfilling your destiny. It's designed to still kill and destroy you. So, Father, we're here now in your presence. You have shown us us some things, even through the scriptures, God. We thank you for showing us that our present problems, our present struggles, our breakdowns, God, oftentimes contain roots from our past, actions, things that have we done, things that have been done to us, Father. And they show up in the present because you've given us faith that only works in the time and space called now. And so, Father God, we give you these things, and we say, heal us now. Father, give these people grace to accept the help that they might need in order to manifest healing in their personal lives and their relationships. I pray for the one, God, that is, Lord, just grasped this word and is internalizing it even as it is spoken, God. And I say, do a quick work in them, Lord, that their destiny will be no longer delayed, that their relationship, God, will be restored and reformed and reconciled to you and to each other, Father. I thank you in Jesus' name, Lord, that you don't, Lord, expose things to destroy us, but to heal us, God. And so I thank you for the grace and courage to bring ourselves to the light that we might be healed. I pray for the one God that believes they need you the least. Show them your glory tonight, God. Show them your power and your might, God. 
For you said that it's not even, Lord, by our own strength or our doing, for you don't delight in the strength of men. But the glory of God, Father God, belongs to you. So show them your glory, God. Show them your glory like you showed Paul, God, and arrested him, God. Show them your glory and how much you love them, Father God. Lord, I pray for us as a people, God, that we will be unified, God. Unity, not uniformity, but unity, God. Lord, we have this treasure in earth and vessels, God, that you might prove yourself to be God even in us. Now, Lord, you have delivered us, Lord, from the darkness to the light, God. Now, let us live as people in the light, God, hiding no thing, O oh God. We thank you, Father God, for the cross, the place of exchange. Now, Father God, I just bless you and I honor you for this people, God. And as they go back and read this word for themselves, God, I pray everything, every truth that has been spoken here tonight, you bring it back to their remembrance, God. Speak to them while they sleep on their beds tonight, God. Give them dreams and visions, God, until they be healed and accept your invitation, God, that they might be healed and fulfill their destiny on earth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, I want to help you, so please take advantage. I think this three days is significant. Someone asked me, how can you do anything in three days? First of all, it's not me. It's the Lord. He is the wonderful counselor. He's a coach. He's an ever-loving God. And if he can raise Jesus up in three days, oh, my God, can't he heal this little area of your life in three days? So take advantage of it. Don't forget, July, uh, August 1st, it goes up to 331, um, yeah, to 397. If you can't, start now, pay now, and let's get you on the calendar in August. If that's you, if you know this word was for you, then I need you to right now text Amy at 678-754-0867. Text her now because the only faith you have is right now, today, here and now. Take action. Take a step because when God speaks, he expects action. And your faith must have works. That is a corresponding action. So I'm only speaking to those of you who know God is speaking to you. Do it now. Get started. Take action. And then lastly, if you can join us on this Saturday at 12 noon, Please, we need your help. We need three to five people. We're going to have some people on the ground in Colorado. I'm going to be on the Zoom call, Amy, and some other, some others on the line, Patsy and, and Nubby. We're going to be on the call, and we want to join together with Colorado and seed that ground with kingdom marriage and declare it uh, for the people in that state that God may re- restore this nation. Uh, I'm sorry, restore marriage to the body of Christ in this nation. Well, I love you. I bless you. Amy, uh, did I forget anything? Uh, The replay number is 605-475-4980. The access code is 341-000-POUND. The reference code for tonight's call is 108-POUND, or you can listen on iTunes or Spotify uh, and just go in the search bar, put Marriage Reform with Kim Moore. We will update that name, but for tonight, you can use that. And the reference number for tonight's call is 108-POUND. Listen, if you got something out of this, 
I want you to tell somebody about it, share this call with them. Please go on the Relationship Game Changers page and and make a comment about this call. That's how we can get the word out. Amy, please jump in here and let me know if I've covered everything or is there anything else we need to cover. No, you covered it. Thank you, guys. Um, I always just want you to have my number. You can talk a little louder, please. Ames, we can't hear you. You'll need to talk a little louder. Okay. Can you hear me now? Yes. Okay. Um, I I want you to have my number. If you have any questions, you're welcome to text me at any time. It's 678-754-0867. And we love you guys, and we're so glad that you've called in. And thank you for, I think this new uh, time is going to work well. And we will see you on the call next week. Awesome. Well, God bless you. We love you. And, uh, yes, let's do this thing, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. 